Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Howdy. Welcome to the conversation with... I uh, have... um another amazing guest today believe it or not it's surprise surprise we tend to bring in people from all over the uh, the face of the planet these days um sometimes they're specific to animation sometimes they're totally not and sometimes they're somewhere in between which is i think a pretty fair um description of our guest today i have not had the pleasure of working with her i don't think and i she might correct me on this and i'm gonna feel really a- a bad on stream but um I know a lot of the local directors who have, and I was over at IDOS when I know she was working a little bit with uh, with the team, the Tomb Raider team. Um, so uh, David has actually had a chance to work directly with uh, with uh, this particular guest. So I'm going to bring him first in, and he can do probably a better introduction than I could ever dream of doing. So let's do that right now. Mr. Hebert. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot, to, hey, I forgot to warn everybody about your background. It's changed. So I mean, they, yes. might, they might not recognize you. It's my uh, underworld edition of the of the background right. since I'm not home, but you know, cannot cancel or not attend one of those conversations with no. anyway. So there you go. No. I have a laptop. I have a little mic. Uh, I found a decent internet connection. So let's, yeah. let's do this. Let's face it. If you didn't make it to these, then your social life would be completely crippled because this pretty much is your social life. These uh, streams these days. Yes, Brent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting. That's, I mean, that's my social life, and sorry for the projection. Um, yeah, another another actor uh, uh, actress uh, actually uh, today. That that's going to to be fun. As you mentioned, we have a lot of uh, that are directly into the animation yep. or video game industry, and others that are in it, but a little bit in periphery that they jump back and forth. Um, so, and today it's very much the, the, the case I had the chance to, to work with, uh, uh, with, uh, Amber, uh, in the past. So that's a, another great excuse for me to catch up and just, mm. you know, having a good time for an hour and a half. Um, and yeah, so let's say, let's, uh, let's bring her in and get this started. Okay. Sounds good. I'm going to bring in the one and only Amber Goldfarb. One sec. Hello, Amber. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, Amber, actually, something that I'm curious that we've never uh, talked when we uh, uh, when we work with uh, each other is how how did you get into acting in the first place? Wh- wh- where was when was this crazy idea emerge in your head that mm-hmm. huh it might be something that I'd like to 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 do? I like a yeah. good Genesis story. Uh- <laughs> Well, for me, I actually, I don't have a very good memory of my childhood, but I have a few memories that really stand out. And that is one of them. I was six and I was watching a sitcom on TV while I was playing with my toys. And I remember looking at the TV and being like, oh, that that's the thing I'm going to do. <laughs> I just knew. <laughs> uh, wow. And I never, I never wavered from that. I never... Good. Yeah, it was like a familiar feeling like you're just like, it was just a matter as a matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, I'm going to do that. I'm destined to do this. Exactly. It wasn't a decision. It was just like, 
a realization or like a remembering. It was like, oh yeah, that's the thing that I'm going to do. Very strange. Very do you strange. remember answering that question when you, when you get the classic question when you were younger, what you're going to do when you grow up and that's what you said too? Like, was it? So the first time I was asked that question, I was like, I'm going to be a kitten. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. So we were taking care of some, we had like, there was like a stray cat. We lived in the country and there was a stray cat and you know, she had birthed a bunch of, she birthed the litter. And mm -hmm. I think then the, the mama passed. And so we were taking mm -hmm. care of the litter and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a kitten. And then my sister was like, well, you can't be that. So your older sister, obviously, right? Yes. Yes. Party pooper. <laughs> yeah. But, that, but that's pretty impressive because there, there might be a lot of six year old that would dream to become an astronaut. And yeah. that's, and then you then figure out eventually what you're really going to, to do. You yeah. just stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. I stuck to it. And I, you know, my mom was protective of me. I was, I've always been a very sensitive creature, so she didn't want to put me in harm's way. So she didn't push me to do it. Every step that I wanted to take had to come from me. Um, so, you know, in school I would do plays and like, I was always like super loud. All the parents would be like, wow, we can actually hear your child. And whereas the other kids, we can't hear them. Um, I was very comfortable being the center of attention and I always loved that. Um, and then, you know, I went on to theater school and I got an agent and I just kind of went through all the motions myself. But my mom was like, I'm not going to push you to be a child actor because she was sure that I'd become a drug addict and, you mm. know, depressed. <laughs> and I probably would have. She probably saved me, like, coming to it on my own when I, as I got older and had more experience and developed a thicker skin. Because you're so subject to criticism all the time. And I think as a kid, I had a hard time with I was just, I was always very sensitive and it was really hard to hear, like get mm. negative feedback. And that was something that I worked on a lot. And now it's, you know, it's a daily I, occurrence. I mean, what you, you I, I don't understand the connection. So you're saying putting yourself out there in the public eye uh, would in that particular capacity bring some sort of criticism in some ways. I don't understand. Just a little bit. Just a little, a little bit. bit. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> When you actually started to to be in some plays and study and all that, it, was it what you expected when you were uh, mm. more younger, and what it was for you to be a, a, an actress or to 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 play it in front of a of an audience? Yeah, definitely. Um, it it was what I expected, and then some of that died when I was in theater school because I had. Um, a very abusive professor who mm. likes to mm. manipulate and play with students and bring them up and tear them down. He was one of those. And mm. I, I felt total prey to him. Like I, he was my mentor. I admired him mm. so much. And so I, I was really susceptible to that. And that whole experience kind of killed my love of performance because I got in my head and I was just mm. hypercritical and putting myself down. And then after theater school, I had to unlearn my training a little bit to mm. reconnect with my instincts and to trust myself and to to feel free in in terms of my creativity i just did you do I this think, on your own i took classes and i had some good teachers that were much more positive in their approach and encouraging mm. Mm -hmm. um and then i did a lot of work on my own i did the artist's way mm. um and that was a game changer for me um it was like i for me it was self-guided therapy you know it, mm. the, you're supposed to do it over three months took me eight months um mm. but i did all the exercises and all the artist dates and i would journal every day and i worked through all that shit all those voices in my head you know telling me what i could and couldn't do and what i was capable of and all those limited beliefs and 
I pushed past that and um, on the on the other end I was able to trust myself again and trust my instincts and I think that that's so important as a creative person to to not be stuck in what's right and what's wrong and what do people think all the time but be be able to have an inspiration or an idea and carry it through um, obviously the you know the criticism is an important part that comes later but if your critical mind is too powerful at the beginning then you can't get anything done right like it prevents you from advancing any projects because that's that fear of failure all the time yeah yeah this this story of uh, abuse unfortunately seems to is a story that we've heard more than once especially in the the, the, the movie uh, industry yeah uh, what do you think makes this specific uh, industry susceptible to having this kind of abuse of, of power that seems to be more than other uh, industries yeah in I, I think I think artists in general are more susceptible because of the fact that it's it's hard it's not like science or math where you know it's clearer and easier to grade like just the fact of having to grade art it's very difficult right it's because it's so subjective um and i think that a lot of artists go into school and are looking for someone to believe in them and someone to say yes you can do it you've got what it takes and The, those people in those positions see how much power they have by by being able to lift someone up and or to give them that confidence but you can take it away as quickly as you can give it and there's mm. a, you know there's just there's a huge discrepancy in power in terms of like being able to cast actors in good roles right like mm. if my teacher is also my director they have say over whether or not i get a good role in the show whether or not i get get it that's right exposure Um, and the arts are like that, right? It's like connections count for a lot, personal relationships. And so when you see someone that can help you elevate, oh my God, no. Did I just crash? No, you're, you're still, still here. That was so weird. Okay, I'm here. <laughs> my window just like disappeared all of a sudden. Oh man. Yeah. Screensaver, um, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that was so strange. So I was like, I crashed. This is over. That, that was a pretty genuine reaction right there. Yeah, right? Yeah. Wow, that, that's a great. Uh, you're just flexing. She's just showing off her acting skills. That's all that was. Pay no attention. You, you fooled us all. By the way, your that backstory sounds almost like um, a spinoff from Whiplash. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh. It's like, like right from right from the uh, the screenplay notes. Yes, that film, I was you know, I was having PTSD. I would that. imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did it yeah. so well. I have to say they really pulled it off well. But yeah, it's really that that power of, you know, I have the connections to get you yeah. ahead. That's right. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's intimate. Like artwork, there's something very intimate about creating art. Yep. You know, it's very personal. And acting especially, you have to open up about, oh, you don't have to. But oftentimes the work gets when you get deep into it, you open up, you explore emotions, you explore mm -hmm. past experiences, memories. Yeah. Um, so that kind of information also can give a teacher a lot of power when they know those things about you. For sure. Um, yeah. You know, so now there's a lot, I think there's a big push to be a, like more trauma informed for educators mm -hmm. to be aware of boundaries and consent and, and just kind of respecting not only students' body boundaries, but also like emotional, personal boundaries. Um, you know, there's more awareness around mental health. And I, and I think that's a really good thing. We needed that. Mm. 
Yeah, I feel that even in the uh, in the workspace, it's the the the, the same because I, I've seen you know in in my career some behavior from directors or supervisors that would the way that they would provide the feedback to an artist in front of everyone else at a moment that you know already as an artist you're kind of vulnerable because you're it's a bit of a little bit of us that we present to everyone for review to everyone to 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 mm -hmm. judge and hopefully like maybe you know give uh, constructive criticism. Uh, but so many, you know, animators and other artists that I've seen that, oh God, they're not going to spend a good uh, evening because there's a way to help, uh, you know, uh, artists or anyone else to to kind of improve their work and, and grow. And there is a way that you might get to the same result, but you might destroy a little bit of them in the yeah. in the process. And I think there's a growing awareness of how to communicate and how to properly behave with sure. uh, others to avoid being too destructful in your communication. Absolutely. I mean, anything can be said, right? It's how you say it in a way. Like if you want to give mm -hmm. someone constructive feedback, there's a way to say it. There's a time to say it. Um, you know, using a humiliation tactic where you out someone in front of everybody about something that they did that you hated or some personal information, like, well, maybe, yeah. maybe that's the most And, and like many things, it's a... Like many things, it's a balance because if you go too much on the other side and everything is rainbow and, and sometimes I had on the other side of the spectrum, I had supervisors give it feedback on my on my work and was like, was that just five <laughs> minutes of praise or was there any constructive <laughs> criticism in there? And I had to dig to, no, just tell me what do I need to, okay, well, because you can sugarcoat to a point that it, it's become a, a, either a waste of time or almost useless, but to find the right, right balance to be constructive with your feedback, but still have empathy is not always a, a, an easy balance to, to it's find. It's so true. I, I'm a really big fan of uh, compassionate communication or nonviolent communication. Mm. Um, yeah. it, it's, you know, like connecting to your needs and your feelings and being able to communicate from a place of those needs. And it was very foreign to me when I started learning about it, but at its root, it's very simple because we we all have needs. We all have feelings and that's not going to change. Like you can be in a very rational job and be like, nope, this is like this and that is like that. But at the end of the day, we're human. We are emotional creatures. And if we deny that part of who we are, it just, it comes out in weird ways. Like people will be passive aggressive or they'll power trip or it'll become a power struggle. But if you can just get to the root of things, the, the simple root of things and communicate from that place it's also like people can be so much more receptive when you're speaking from a place of your needs and not attacking them yeah. like we we tend to be very blamey in how we speak like just the way our language has evolved like you hurt me versus i was sad when this happened or i was disappointed when this happened mm -hmm. but to put the blame on a person immediately their defenses come up and they feel attacked yeah it's 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 tricky business. I I I I think having a lot of self awareness is part of it, and and also being able to have um you know a good level of empathy for the people around you also helps. But you know at the end of the day, there are sharks in the waters, right? There are sociopathic thinkers out there, and it makes yeah. things a little bit tricky. Even if you have good def defense mechanisms and you can have good coping mechanisms, and and unfortunately, in my experience, um there are um an unfortunate number of people that are a bit predatorial in in yeah. these these creative industries i don't know why that is maybe it's because of all the vulnerabilities i mean i when i look because i when i think of an, an actor or an, act, an actress like they, they share the same common um sort of 
issues that that any artist has, which is like yeah. like you were saying before, you put a lot of yourself out there. It's very personal, and and people are going to judge that. Um, but I think that we, you know, I always found found that actors and actresses are in a unique position of being, um like almost like more vulnerable to this because where we at least can, we are acting through a proxy, right? An animator can act through a character. There are ideas and we're very close to them, but it's, I think it, it must feel very different for you because you're embodying, embodying those ideas and it's your own, your own persona and your, your how you, you know, your, your, your physical, um, you know, you know, how you look and how you sound and all these other things get packaged up into that work. And I, I can imagine the criticisms pe feel all that much more personal because of it. Mm. Like, I like, how do you, how, do, how does an act, how does an actress today, like, deal with, like, are, what kind of coping mechanisms other than, you know, the things you were saying, um, do, you, do you usually find yourself employing to survive that? Yeah, okay, well, I want to answer that. I also want to go back to something you said about sure. um, how there are a lot of you know, predators, right? And you can go in yeah. with good intentions and in Absolutely. good faith, but then you, and I don't think I would have ever known how to deal with a predator had I not experienced one. You know, it's sure. a, it's yeah. really hard to protect yeah. people from that experience mm. until they've had it. And then they're, yeah. they're like, oh, I know what the red flags are now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I know what behavior to look out for. Like if right. someone is continually putting me down, which yeah. is a, like there is a way to give constructive feedback and, and you need sure. to like this is such yep. a that's it's, it's part of the it's job essential and honesty yep. is essential for our work um but if someone is constantly putting you down and like just kind of chipping away at your self-esteem like that is such a red flag to me yeah. now yeah. right um but had i not gone through that experience i wouldn't have known it and so it's it's really right. tricky to warn yeah. people of the signs because also yeah. these people tend to be very charming oh, yeah. and they really know how to like gain your trust and win you over mm -hmm. and yeah. say the things that you want to hear and then you know it just are like present to you opportunities and the things that they might be able yeah. to help you with and it's you're like wow this is amazing it's finally someone who wants to help me out and then right. the predatory yeah. behavior comes yeah. out so yeah, it's, then comes yeah in comes the quid pro quo right? like, like you get, right. you get, there's always some catch somewhere Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I think that I needed a lot of, initially what I needed was a lot of forgiveness of myself because mm. I felt like I had failed myself and let myself down by letting someone in and being so vulnerable. Right. And I've seen this happen to friends and colleagues of mine. And so I think that starting with self-compassion right. for a situation where you did fall victim doesn't mean you have to stay a victim. And I think that that's an important thing. That's why the language of survivor, even if people are like, I don't identify as a survivor because, you know, I wasn't abused this way or that way. But I think that that language came into place because walking around with like a victim aura is <laughs> not interesting. That doesn't no. feel empowering, right? Yeah. You yeah. were a victim in a situation, but you want to feel empowered. And so mm. I've, you know, the various experiences of discrimination or misogyny that I've had throughout my career, I was always like, okay, clock that clock what happened. Mm. And if there's a way to address it, do, mm. but, but an awareness is like really was the first step for me. Mm. But then I was like, I don't want to carry this in my energy field. I don't want to walk around the world with a chip mm. on my shoulder. Yeah. 
because there's times when I didn't get paid as much as my male counterpart, or I didn't get the same opportunities because I'm a woman and stuff like that. And when I started out, I wasn't aware of that stuff, but going through the industry now, I've been like, Oh yeah, he fucked up Mm. and everyone laughed. And then when I fucked up, everyone stopped and got really quiet. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Like so subtle, Mm. but it was like, there was more room. I, I realized there was more room for my male counterparts to make mistakes. And there was less for me. Oh, the bar was set higher for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, Amber, how would you react now if you would see, if you would sense those kind of predatory uh, yeah. little, you know, signs that yeah. you would see? How would she you, carries a lightsaber. Because I'm assuming that you would not wait. Well, I don't know. Let's wait a little bit, see if it's, you would kind of do something about it maybe a little bit more rapidly. Well, I, okay. So, the, the, Oftentimes I don't realize right away until after, you know, I come home and I'm like, right. what, just, what happened yes. today? Like you <laughs> totally. feel kind of Let me process. Icky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let me process this. And so sometimes I don't realize. And so oftentimes I'll sit down and I'll journal about it and I'll be like, what happened today? Okay. Mm. And I'll think, and I'll try to look at it from different angles and try to zoom out a little bit. Yeah. From my try to un- unpack it somehow. Right. Unpack it. Sometimes if there's other people there that were kind of witnesses to it that mm. I trust, I'll be like, what was your read on this situation? Yeah. Just, to, just to get a different perspective. And sometimes right away, I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Or other times they'll be like, no, that was insane. And so it, it just helps to give a bit of perspective, but it only works if it's someone that you, that you one really trust or someone that can be compassionate to your situation because they might have their own unconscious biases and just not be aware of what your experience is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it depends. But if there's someone that you think they are sensitive to this issue and they'll be aware, then I'll, I'll ask for their opinion. And then usually I'll write out like, okay, next time this happens, what am I going to say? What's my line? Right. So I'm prepared. I'm psychologically yeah. prepared to react to that situation in an effective way, because usually as it's happening, if you can kind of nip something in the bud or you can speak up, it can help. Um, so I had an experience where I had a director who um, he was raising his voice at me a lot. Mm. Uh, he would, if I didn't get something right away and didn't understand right away, he would just oh. start getting really loud. Okay. And then I would panic. Right. <laughs> And get like going to like fight or flight, like I'm in danger. Sure. And then it would just get worse, like because you're no huh. longer in when you're when you enter fight or flight, you're no longer in the creative part of your brain. Yeah, you're in your sure. reptilian survival mode. One hundred percent. Right. So it kept happening, and then I, I you know, I journaled about it. I, I thought about it, and then the next time it happens, uh, when I went back on set, I said um, he came up to me and gave me some positive reinforcement and he was like oh I really like working with you and I was like I really like working with you too I just want to say that when you get loud in your feedback like in your constructive feedback um I kind of shut down and I'm no longer receptive and I was like I Mm -hmm. want to hear your notes I want to hear what you have to say Mm -hmm. could you speak to me just like in a calm voice and just tell it to me straight without you know getting so heated and so loud right uh, he was, of course, very apologetic, and he was like, thank you so much for telling me. And he took it really well. He took it like a champ, and he did adjust his behavior, and I really oh, appreciated wow. that. That could have went a very different direction. It could have gone a very different direction. Um, and a colleague of mine overheard and was like, wow, like yeah. kudos nice. for you for doing yeah. that because they had noticed it too. And it wasn't yeah. like they they backed me up. They were like, I, I, I saw what you saw. 
-hmm. And I really respect that you said something. Um, and I didn't, and I said it privately, like I didn't say it, yeah, I didn't, yeah. it my colleague that overheard, but I didn't say it in front of everyone else, you know, yeah. cause I, you don't want to embarrass someone, right? No. That wasn't my intention, but I was just like, I want to do a good job. Like I really yeah. care about the work. Well, and that's the irony, right? It's like, you, you should be praised for this because you're, you're telling him what you need for him to get what he needs out of you. Basically exactly. you're, you're, you're saying, look, like I want to be there for you. I totally get this. I'm down with everything here, but you unfortunately that that the way you're you're interacting with me it, it, it makes you're you're getting like 50 percent or less of me exactly. which is obviously a problem exactly and he was probably you know to his defense he was probably under pressure and stress for sure for and sure. all of those things but yeah. it's like you know that doesn't mean that raising your voice at someone for asking right. you know for not understanding something right away like yeah. you need yeah. as a leader someone in a position of leadership you need to have some patience and explaining totally things you know right. um you can't expect people to understand things right away because they're not in your head yeah yeah yeah, yeah this this some a similar situation came up once that we were talking about i think was, wasn't it it'll say that was that story about like uh it was it was in a it was like a training scenario or something like that in school oh, and yeah, yeah mm -hmm. it was and i remember like, it was something similar where they were kind of almost borderline abusive and and finally something had to be said and, and it was it's funny because at the end of the day um you kind of need to like if, if everyone is truly in it for the right reasons and they're good actors as opposed to bad actors and they're literally just trying to get a good job done, then this is exactly what should happen. People should be able to communicate on this level and there should be no issue because, I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, you, we're, we're all under pressure, right? All of us. And if you, if, if you can put yourself in other person's shoes, maybe they're acting like you said, like that intuition was so good. Like consider why they're acting like this. Right. They're just another human being just like you yeah. in their own. They got their own story going on. They got their own pressure is going on and they may not even be aware that they're so yeah. so you know to, to go at them in a very human way and be like look this is how i'm feeling you know what i mean like by the way like i can't I have no control over it you're doing something maybe not even on purpose but what it's what's happening all i can tell you how it makes me feel and how how it changes my current perception is this and we gotta one way or another we have to deal with that you exactly. know we're not not calling anybody any names i'm not accusing anybody of doing anything wrong but this is the reality right now and can yeah. we can we move forward is basically you know it's, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead, David. Just to just like a little final note on that story is that, you know, I, he never hired me again. <laughs> so, Interesting. So Interesting. that's the risk, right? The thing but maybe is, that's good. Right. Maybe. I mean, exactly. you know what I mean? Maybe that's, maybe that's fate. Maybe, maybe that is not good chemistry and True. you can, because you're still making a good living right now and like, you don't need them. All right. Basically exactly. maybe. But that's the risk. And I guess I just wanted, because I don't want to say like, it's all fairies and whatever. <laughs> right. Rainbows. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's, you know, it's, I don't even, I don't know idea what expression I just said, by the way. Just, <laughs> fairies. <laughs> apparently fairies are good. Apparently, I get, basically, yeah, I, like, like rainbows, fairies. lollipops, yeah, fairies. Exactly. <laughs> like, Amazing. What? Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to give that, that's the risk, right? Because you ask, yeah. you weigh your stakes. And totally. I think a lot of times yeah. people don't speak up. And again, that, that comes back to why someone like has so much power in these positions yeah. is that yeah. you don't speak up because we are self-employed. We're contractors. Yes. yes. And so yeah. knowing like, okay, I'm going to advocate for myself here, but it may mean not getting hired again by this person and yeah. being okay yeah. with that. And I, and I think yep. that probably in the back of my mind, I knew that that was That's a risk right. I was taking, but yeah, I was right. like, either it's going to be a respectful work environment 
for everyone yep. or maybe we're not the right fit and we shouldn't work together anymore. Yeah, I think you need to, we, we all need to have some guidelines of, you cannot ask e each time, okay, I think that maybe it was abusive. So what might be the result if I mm. see something? No, just, you know, if you recognize the sign, say something about it, yeah. do it in a professional manner. And yes, sometimes it means that you're not totally. going to have more work. Other times it'll be totally fine. And other times it'll be even better because you will develop yeah. a even better True. relationship and that's going to open exactly. other well, doors. It. So yeah. In, in in the creative process, there has to be a push and pull. Like, you yeah. know, my, my husband and I, we say it like in our relationship, you know, he's the person I choose to fight with, right? Because <laughs> you you fight Amazing. and you grow and you yeah. learn and yeah. you, you push each other's limits and boundaries and, and, and in, a, in a positive way. Like it should mm. be positive, but they're like you challenge each other's maybe belief system sometimes or yeah, yeah. to think outside their box. And I, yeah. I think creatively it's the same way. When you when you work with people in a creative sense, you fight, but it doesn't have to you don't have to fight dirty. Yeah, no, that's it. You have creative differences and that's part that's right. of the journey. And I think that that's, that's right. important to leave space for that. Well, I mean, fighting in that can, can in, when you have good intentions and you're having there's conflict there yes. that the, it's is loaded with opportunities to grow and understand, and yes. that's that the understanding part is key, right? Is if you can better understand the director and the director can better understand you, that that relationship is critical for success. I mean, like trust, as we always say, like we hear actresses and actors always talk about trust as being the almost the single most important ingredient on that set, especially when you're putting so much trust into a director who's going to be giving you feedback um you know you don't want to be second guessing that feedback yeah. right and the only way to not second guess it is to trust and the only way to have trust is to have some sort of understanding and some sort of um you know you know i don't know yeah I, I, no. I, I, it I, it makes me wonder because like it makes me here's a million dollar question this one's this one's gonna be fun hot potato if stanley kubrick was still around would he get away with the kind of stuff that he used to do on set mm -hmm. I don't think he would. And this is this is also tricky, right? Because at the end of the day, and by the way, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, Stanley Kubrick, of course, is most people probably know who he is, um, is um, considered one of the best directors of all time, which is kind of what kind of muddies the waters of this conversation a little bit. Um, and um, Shelley Duvall on the set of The Shining with uh, Jack Nicholson, she was the, the wife, Jack Nicholson's wife. And any, if anyone's ever seen the movie The Shining, um, it's one of the best performances you will ever see of her literally her, her state of mind disintegrating throughout that film. And um, the backstory is that um, the Stanley Kubrick was intentionally like literally Arresting. disassembling her mind by 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 a lot of cruel not me apparently i mean i wasn't there but like but uh you know past reflections on it for people who were there that's you know would would most of them would say that it was it was probably pretty 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 cruel what what he put her yeah. through psychologically and this is of course when the cameras weren't even rolling it was yeah. he wanted to do that because quote unquote he needed her to be really literally unhinged by the end of it so it's 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 a quick tricky right because it's like it's hard to argue with those results but i mean at the same time like i'm, I'm it, it makes me wonder if it is it does it come down to consent like how do you how do you can you it's, or is it just completely inappropriate but, to work like that with an actor or an actress? But but even consent at that point, because there's a yeah you're right then position it does, of power, right. it could right. be right. a false or perceived you're, you're consent, right. but that is wrong even if it is yeah yeah. Uh, I my impression that nowadays most people will think that going for an actor to go through this emotional pain is not worth 
the prize for I, having an Oscar winning yeah. performance. I think that generally it doesn't mean that everyone is thinking like this, but I think it, this is where we're going that oh, it, it doesn't make sense to personally, you know, mm. destroy someone to have something that's going to yeah. be on film to that, to that caliber. I agree. I mean, so Amber, do you feel like, like, so to go back to the million dollar question, do you feel like it is possible to get performances that are that real and that visceral without employing such tactics in your mind? Or is this just like touching the sun and we should never touch the sun basically? uh, I mean, (laughs) I, I, I think it is. I mean, my approach, um, for me, like in, in my work, I'm not someone who, if my character is distressed, I don't want to be abused. Mm. um to get there that's not my approach um i'm not method if you will i Mm. i do believe that you know acting is play and it's pretend Mm. um but but we're storytellers and as storytellers you can tap into things like you can tap in i really do believe that you can tap into experiences that are different than your own but you can get in so deep that you can express the essence of what that experience is. Um, and sometimes let stuff like I'll do exploratory things on my own or like in the safety of my home or with an acting coach or with a friend and a colleague. Um, sometimes the exploration work can be really good to like free the mind and to, to tap into stuff and, and discover mm-hmm. things. But absolutely, I do think that there are ways of getting there. There's tools. There's other tools of getting there than having to abuse someone on set. Like my philosophy is I want everyone on a set that I'm on. I want everyone to feel respected and to have, you know, a sense of dignity and and humanity and and their work and to be treated well. Um, And the way we get the way we get to things can be done. I really do think we can get to the deep, really um, powerful performances in other mm. ways. Right. Just sometimes yeah. it might take a little bit more time, sure. you know, or better planning, you know, yeah, like yeah. for sure. Yeah, I don't you're, wing you're, it. You're... I don't show up on set and just wing it. I do my homework and I make sure that I'm, I'm emotionally and psychologically prepared for what I have to do. Sorry, yeah, you, you mentioned, you've, you've mentioned in, in method acting and in method acting to some point, it's almost seems like, abuse but they do to themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> which at that point it's like well okay you're an adult you're you know if you want to starve yourself to lose i don't know like 60 pounds and then you know what but if if it's your your choice but it's but when you there's a lot of very interesting uh, interviews with uh, many actors that went through uh, method acting like uh, jim carrey for instance that yep. for uh, men of the moon he never came back from it he, because at some point we're all we are the story that we tell themselves yeah. about who we are and all that and yes you can totally become someone else but you might come back to you in a slightly different mm-hmm. way or a different approach and there's many and i know that th- these days we're uh, talking about uh, will smith for uh, not, not the right reasons but i i, I read his uh, autobiography a, a few months ago which is uh, amazing and he described how he tried method acting for the first role in the movie that he had uh, the uh, sixth degree of separation uh, i yeah. think and that he had a very hard time to came back for it first of all he fell in love with his love interest in the movie which yeah. screwed up his relationship and he was not able to be will smith in will smith in fresh prince of bel-air for at least six months after that hmm. and he had to need a coach 
to reteach who he was because he basically played himself uh, in that. So you can to so okay, you can do that for yourself. It's dangerous, but you know it, it, you can have. But to have someone else, and that's the same thing to come back to to The Shining. Um, she that actress, poor poor girl, she never came back from 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 it. Her career was pretty much. I mean, she just delivered her, the best performance of, of her life, but that's it. The, the career led nowhere. She she stayed traumatized and she never mm -hmm. came back to who she was after. Well, it was the same thing with Last Tango in Paris. Yep. Mm, yeah. Yep. You know, they mm. they surprised that performer with a sex scene. Was was my understanding, and you know yeah. she was she essentially left feeling like she'd mm. been assaulted. Yep. Um, because probably because she was right. I mean, I mean, all intents purposes, Correct. that the pressure of having to perform in a way that you had not agreed to is kind of the definition of of, of non-consent, yeah. right? Absolutely, absolutely, and well, and she didn't act after that. And I mean, why do you think it's yeah, like it's, you know, is it worth making you like? There's this this antiquated idea of we'll do whatever it takes in the sake of art. Yeah, it's like you want to cause someone a lifelong trauma mm -hmm. for your film so you win an oscar like can yeah, you sleep at night knowing that like i i'm not i'm not yeah. interested in partaking in, in a project of that nature you know like yeah. let's do this respectfully we can yeah. do it and if i'm not mistaken this scene was with marlon brando which was another famously method uh, yep. actor That's so right. exactly. again and just to come back i I think it was in seventies. I want to say seventies. This uh, the, the, that I movie. Think so. I think so. Uh, uh, that's that would not. Uh, I cannot believe that in twenty twenty two this could this could happen with like everything that we've seen in the last few a uh, few years. But just to again make a parallel with, I think that professional artists probably actors are among the most vulnerable to to that. But I know some professional artists that just left and did something else because of this kind of oh, yeah. abuse. Absolutely. Not physical abuse, but just mental abuse yep. of you're not That's good right. enough, your work is, and eventually you convince yourself that you're not good enough and you want to stop mentally suffering uh, about sure. it. So you just go and do something else and just you start by burning out and then you just never mm -hmm. properly recover and you just do something else. It takes the fun out of it. I mean, I had um, a teacher in theater school who used to say, if it ain't fun, run. <laughs> and I love that. I love that because it's true. There should be a sense of play. And it's, I mean, it's called a play. <laughs> You know, like yeah, yeah. It's yeah, supposed, she, she supposed in on that. Yeah, it's there's supposed to be a sense of play and a sense of joy in the work. And I think mm -hmm. in any art that you're doing, um, and ideally in, in any profession that you're doing, that you should have a sense of joy in the work. That doesn't mean that there's not elements that are challenging and hard and that you have to push sure. through and resistance yeah. that you need to overcome. I mean, everyone goes through that. But if mm -hmm. you've lost the sense of joy in the work, then it's yeah. And I think a lot of people do leave because of that, because they've been in situations where they were working in a toxic environment or with toxic people. And they're just like, I, if this is what it looks like to create art, I'm not interested. So bye. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's funny because you know, David's right. And, and just to be very, very ultra careful here, I'm not making comparison uh, specifically to um, physical assault on a set um, and, and, and what, what digital artists go through on a regular basis on, on studios. But, but like generally speaking, this idea of feeling like we need to like just go along with the flow 
um, mm-hmm. is exactly where people feel abused and taken advantage of when it comes to overtime. Um, it, it's where people, you know, in, in other types of things that happen in, 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 in just creative endeavors in general, if you're being paid as an artist, just like a performer, um, if you're an animator or if you're a digital artist or you're a matte painter, it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that the, your supervisor is, is possibly, you know, you, it, it ends up feeling very, very, very much like you got to go along with it. Cause otherwise you might lose your job. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the, in the, the in the sense that, um, like you said, like if, if it ain't fun run, um, this idea that getting fired from a job is probably one of the best things that could ever happen to you. Um, but the, but, but the, you know, and what happens more often than not is people stay at that job, but they don't get fired. They just mm-hmm. keep t- they just keep soaking up the abuse, and yeah. they don't they feel paralyzed. I saw it recently. It was a really good. Anyone who's interested, you should check my my um my Twitter handles right there. The overanimated. I had retweeted recently something that someone had wrote a very, very amazing deep dive into the topic of it's not just flight or fight, it's flight, fight or freeze. And the freezing is absolutely the most dangerous out of all three of those because it's the paralysis that keeps you in this uncomfortable environment. Because if you're fighting, at least you're actually taking action and something is going to be resolved from that fight. If you're flying, then you're at least removing yourself. But if you're frozen... And you're just sitting there and just taking it. This can be extremely dangerous to your morale, to your mental health, to your physical health. And uh, it's an interesting topic. And if you're if you're curious, you should go check my my recent tweets because it's in there. Uh, if you're listening to this in chat, because I think it was a very insightful. It was specifically, I think, for the video game industry, but it can be applied to pretty much any creative endeavor. Yeah. Absolutely, knowing when to leave, knowing when a yeah. situation or a person is no longer healthy for you. And yep. is no longer in alignment with what you want to do. It's so important to stop and ask ourselves those questions. We kind of get caught in the rat race and yeah. cut up and and other people's visions, and then That's right. the need to make money or whatever it is, yeah. and then we don't stop and reflect and and really That's ask right. ourselves: Is this where I want to be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Social norms and politics, all these other yeah. weird things get put into play there, and as opposed to just looking out for yourself, basically. Yeah. So Amber, you, you mentioned having uh, fun. Uh, what would you say if you uh, remember the many project that, that you did among those that you had the most fun mm-hmm. and maybe why the, those were uh, really fun for, for you? Oh, you know, I had a blast on Tomb Raider. <laughs> oh, that was so much fun. Right. That was so much fun. Well, it's interesting, you know, because in my journey of finding the joy in the work again um video game acting was a really good outlet for that Mm. because (laughs) i started with voice work and doing voice work just felt really freeing you know because it's not it's not your face it's not your body it doesn't matter if your hair and makeup looks good or if you're having bad acne that day you know it's really just your voice so i i found that super freeing and then i started doing mocap and I was just like, this is, I'm a kid in a sandbox. I can be anything, you know, you're like playing, you could play creatures. I mean, that was one of the things that had so much fun on Tomb Raider. Like I'm like fighting Jaguars, but really it's, you know, Sean Bates you with like a mat. <laughs> <laughs> like he's attacking me. Um, or like walking through mud and it's like yours or was it Daryl's Daryl's belt that was wrapped around me for resistance. <laughs> and like, we just come up with, 
creative ways of creating the environment and the world. Yeah, we, we had um, to pinch ourselves once in a while, say, are we paid to do all this? Because it's <laughs> yeah. that we're just having fun exactly. <laughs> with pretty, two pretty cool actors for an entire yeah. day. And then and then we call it for the day. That's right. Mm -hmm. at, 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 during lunch break, you guys were building a, a blanket fort in the background. Is that basically how it was? <laughs> yeah. Basically. That's awesome. Basically. Yeah. No, but it, yeah, just, just that, that freedom of mocap. Mm. Um, it's so would you say that in general time. you have you know wh whatever the the satisfaction of the end result the process itself you might have a little bit more freedom and fun during uh, motion capture uh, shoots than during uh, actual shoots I find that there's a collaborative element of working in games that I really like um, that's different in film and TV. It's still there, but it's different. Um, you know, like if, when I'm bringing to life a character in a game, I'm not only sharing that role with the stunt performer who's doing the stunts for the character, which would be the same for film and TV, but you're also sharing that role with the animators mm -hmm. and how that character will translate. And I love it when the animators are on set and we can talk and they have suggestions and, um, we can work together. I find that really fulfilling as a collaboration. Um, but when I understood that as an actor, that it was really that, you know, working in a game that you, cause you can just like, you can, you can do your job so much better when you understand what the parameters are that you're working with. And it's like, okay, my costume is like this. So I'm not going to be putting mm -hmm. my hand through there. And, um, <laughs> you know, figuring out like, okay, let's put some foam. So my hand doesn't go there. Or like, let's, let's create some weight here. Or let's, you know, it's, that element of integrating, like knowing that this character has to be integrated into a world that might not be around me, but I need to create that world, um, create yeah. the, the temperature, create the, the elements, if it's windy or um, if it's raining or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I like that element of it. And, I, and because there's less crew, it's like small, it's smaller crews. And so we can, um, we can get through a lot of material. I mean, we get all of the coverage. Like when you're shooting mm. mocap, you don't have to do That's like right. the wide and then your single shots and the over shoulder and da 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 and the close ups and the extreme close ups if we are insert shots or whatever. Like, no, you just, you get everything in one take. So you can cover a lot more material and it's, mm. it feels more like theater in that sense where you get mm. to go through a whole scene mm. from beginning to end. And, um, and if you're doing facial capture, then it's like you got your close up right here. So you can, you can be big physically, but you can be intimate in certain facial stuff. Um, those are the, the things that I really love about working in games. You know, working in film and TV, you get like having the real tactile costumes and sets that really mm -hmm. helps to immerse you in the world. Like in games, it's all, it's like imagination, imagination, like visualizing the world. Okay, what's here, what's there? Okay, cool. But if I'm on location and I'm dressed in my, like my, just the costume itself, when I put on a costume right away, I like, I move different. Like it'll, it'll affect my body language, right? Like, oh, this character. Okay. This is how she moves. Oh, this character. No, this is how she moves. Whereas in games, I need to kind of like calibrate to be like, okay, who am I playing today? What are they wearing? Let me yeah. look at the artwork for a second. Um, you know what I mean? Like you got to Like I got to kind of yeah. get into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that that led us to 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 work with uh, each other is that we we needed a well 
rounded actor that could both act and do stunt acting uh, uh, as well. Um, so, so, so when you you said that your husband is the one that you chose to fight, you're like, oh poor guy, because I've seen <laughs> you fight, I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> that's not going to turn out well for him. That that's for sure. Uh, which, which one of those two did you did you like the 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 most when we were shooting? Which one and what? Sorry. Uh, oh, in between, oh. in between the stunt uh, uh, part, the more physical part, and the more, let's say, acting, uh, uh, you know, subtle performance and, and all that. I I love when I get to do physical roles. Um, like I love that aspect, getting to do both. Whenever I get to do my own stunts or do a character that's physical, um, I find that very exciting. It definitely gets me going. It's like it's an added challenge. It's an added layer. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a real treat. It's a real treat. Have, have you ever been on something before where the stunt asked of you was a bit too much and you're like, yeah, I'll sit this one out. <laughs> or have you literally done all the stunts for all of your, uh, your performances? I've, d there's definitely been stuff where it wasn't even a question. They're like, just even for insurance, right? Like they're, right. you know, if my character has to fly across the room, mm -hmm. um, and they're attaching the stunt performance to a harness, yeah, they won't even ask me if I can do it yeah. because just for too much of a liability. Yeah. yeah, it's too much of well, a liability. I mean, unless you're Tom Cruise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you're Bring producing it. your own movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's exactly. managing his own liabilities basically. Yeah. Well, because exactly. the liability is you said insurance, but it's also just a simple fact: if you get hurt, how do they film the rest of the film? Right? Like you're you're like in the hospital and you can't. You know, it's right. it's kind of that's a bit right. of a liability, it's, in both right. financially and just physically. Yes, the cost yeah. of you not being able to complete the role within mm -hmm. their schedule sure. time frame, you know, that is, yeah, exactly. No, but I, you know, I do often do, I can't consider myself a stunt performer proper because, you know, I've seen what stunt performers do. And I mean, they, the mm -hmm. level that they train at is just incredible what they mm -hmm. can do. And I'm, mm -hmm. and when it calls for that skill set, I will gladly just be like, cool, I'm going to let you yeah. do your thing because right. you're going to make me look good. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but like, I can't do a backflip. So yeah. <laughs> like you do your thing. Um, but I would love to be able to do a backflip, by the way. I need yeah, to I was kind of sad you were going to do one right now, but now I guess so it's not going to happen. I started pre-pandemic. I was training at a parkour gym oh, nice. and my trainer was teaching me backflips and I was just, you know, halfway there in the, mm. in the, the pit of like the foam pit. Mm -hmm. um, but they closed. Oh, so, so close yet so far. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say doing a backflip is probably the most random badass thing that you can do in front of <laughs> oh, anyone yeah. in any situation in oh, a yeah. party, at a family <laughs> dinner, so with my friends, at work. Yeah. It, it yeah. always works. <laughs> I swear, yeah. if if I could do one, I would literally do it in the most inappropriate, unexpected times as possible. Like, you know, in the line at McDonald's, shoop, boom. You're yeah. like, wait a minute, what? Did you just do a backflip? No, man, I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. It's just, just imagination. It's like the Ukrainian cat. Did you see this, the TikTok no. of this woman walking down the street with her cat? And it's like a big cat. And all of a sudden, the cat just does a backflip. <laughs> just and random like, backflip. What? That's awesome. This cat. And it's like, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> The cat version. I need to send you this TikTok. I died. That's good stuff. It was very oh, funny. No. Um, but yes, I would like to be able to do a backflip eventually. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> but when I can do my own stunts and it's not too crazy, um, you know, yeah. for vicious fun, I did all my own fighting, mm. uh, and I had a blast. Like that's just it's such a treat. And I and I did um, 
a TV movie recently where um, I had a fight scene that I got to do with one of my best friends. Mm. We both got cast in this film, which is such a treat, like, you know, to get to work with one of of your best friends. And we had a fight scene together. So that was pretty cool. We got to let out all of our Mm. frustration. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) It was all love. Between takes, she was like massaging my scalp. But she's like, are you okay, honey? I was like, yeah, I'm great. Just keep massaging me. It was the best. You know, it's it's funny because, you know, I I would imagine that, like even though you're not doing all of the stunts necessarily, depending on the on the complexity of the stunt, mm-hmm. but just the fact that you're physically um, capable and like, because I mean, have, having directed a good number of motion uh, or in performance capture shoots in the past, what I find very frustrating is a lo- there's a lot of performers out there that have literally zero combat training and zero stunt training, and so mm-hmm. just getting them to hold a, like a prop gun properly is really really difficult because they just haven't been exposed to it. So I can imagine how much more versatile you are on set, and I can imagine that's probably one of the reasons why you've been so prolific in the video game market is because there's usually a lot of that kind of stuff happening, and having that that kind of tool in your tool set makes you all that much more uh valuable on it on a, on a set definitely think- a great asset to have i mean yeah. yeah having some combat training or having done some martial arts or even dance like just being comfortable with your body and being able to sell like you need to hold a firearm and look like you know what you're doing yeah or a sword preferably. or whatever yeah, yeah it's important it's very important yeah. And you don't get that just by looking at like other movies necessarily. I, I've seen a lot of performers try and it just looks awkward, like especially, especially firearms. It looks really, really weird. Yeah. It takes um, practice. Like you need yeah. the muscle memory, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. there's tactics too, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's you holding a gun is one thing, but then the way you move with one, if you're, if you're supposed to be like an actual real operator, um, like you're, you know, either SWAT or military or something like this, yeah. and you don't know how, like these, these little things mean a lot. Like you take a good example would be, of course, all the training that Keanu Reeves did for, um, um, for John Wick, right? And oh. we see a lot of he mm. like really dug his heels in on that. Um, yeah. uh, digging, digging, digging heels doesn't make a lot of sense. Sinking his teeth into it um, <laughs> because he was digging heels would be like the literally the opposite of what I'm trying to say. Um, be, just in, in it shows, right? It shows like that 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 presence on set makes it that the it makes him sell it all that much more. Mm-hmm. Halle um, Berry too, her work on yes, that was yes, phenomenal. exactly. Yeah, also, phenomenal. but so, it's so, like so that was great because you know their that production company invested in their performers yeah. and yep. and trained them yeah well in advance of shooting yeah absolutely. yeah and so that's great when they like when projects take the time to do that to have you know having uh, a stunt coordinator on set even if the scenes aren't super stunty but just to yep. make sure that all the weapon yeah. handling looks just good, for coaching yeah for coaching having you know an expert a military expert especially if yep. it's a military game like you you want the level of proficiency that the actors are portraying to match the level of mm. the character. And mm. if it's supposed to be a SWAT yeah. and you're not, even if you're SWAT, if you're supposed to be SWAT, but you're doing, you know, more of a police ha- weapon handling, it's very different. Totally. Right? So yep. knowing, knowing those, those differences and yeah. 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 Does it, so I'm wondering, do you, do you feel like that could be one of the reasons? Because you've worked on a lot of games, like a lot. Um, people have seen, like, we didn't we didn't talk about them because it would take too long to talk about them on stream here. But if you are curious, you take a look at just our the um, our schedule. It lists just a, a number of them. Of course, you can always check out Amber's uh, LinkedIn or IMDb as well. But there's been a lot. And um, I'm wondering, is, is it just because of that background and you keep being getting pulled into the volcano that is video game production? Or is it also 
also just because I think you already kind of half answered this because I think you, you seem to have a lot of fun on video game productions. Thank Is you. it just kind of both? That's probably well why they're like, like, she loves it. Let's just yeah. keep hiring her. <laughs> <laughs> it's always She's nice to have so happy Amber fun. around. Yeah. I'm like yeah, jumping yeah. around on set. And yeah. Like, yeah. You, usually, like, if it's not a crazy jammed day, like, if mm. there's a little bit of breathing room, mm. you'll see me like prancing around and, mm. you know, like, I, it's, it's really, it's playful. It's very playful. But, you know, some days you've got a crazy shot list and we're like, cool, we have 130 yeah. shots to get through today. Yeah. So, yeah. No yeah. prancing yeah. around between takes. It's just like, go. Totally. Okay. We got yeah. it. Boom. Next, next take. Um, sorry, next shot. And like, sometimes we'll do one take of each on really, really, really jam days. Yeah. Um, but I thought, you know, on Tomb Raider, we took our time. That was really nice that we had, we had enough time to explore and to try things and to be really detail oriented. And I like that. I like that when there's time for precision. Yeah. When it's just like, okay, it's good enough. We're moving on. I, I don't yeah. That was one of the, because the, the previous game, um, the development team had worked with an external director with which was very good and talented at what he's doing but was a little bit disconnected from uh production which led to a, a lot of uh, a lot of problem uh on shadow the advantage that we knew what was important and what was good enough was fine so we yeah, could yeah. just go like okay good enough good enough good enough we, we that that's fine okay let's spend an hour on on, on this one so we could mm -hmm. properly man manage the, the the time because we kind of knew where it was exactly uh, in the game where the player would be uh in, in this moment and, and all that so it kind of gave a lot of breathing room for what mattered yeah. and then okay now let's just print through and usually we try to organize the the, the day accordingly uh, as well because yeah. you know Definitely an actor, when you get to an hour before the end, doesn't have the same energy that uh, he had, let's say, just before lunch, for, for instance. Where we're trying to schedule things uh, accordingly. Yeah. That's wise. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, just to follow up on, on Brent's uh, question, your first game in video game, how did that uh, came about? Is that something that you were looking forward to, that you looked for, or just randomly happened and you tried it and you're like oh that that's pretty fun it was so random i auditioned for what i thought was a short film um it was do you remember there was a three-part prequel to assassin's creed 2 called lineage mm. it was yes. like a sort of like yeah. web series type prequel and it was live action yes um yep. yeah so i had auditioned for that but then a few months later, without knowing what it was, because you know they were very secretive, as, as, as Ubisoft always is. <laughs> so I was just like, I don't know what this is, but I'm playing an Italian woman and it's period. Mm. Um, and then, I, yeah, so I got a call a few months later and my agent um, is like, oh, you have a, a voice gig for a video game. And I was like, how? Like I didn't audition for a video game. Um, they were like, I don't know. You have a booking here. Here's the information. So I just show up at my booking and you know, just like go, just go. And I was playing um, Christina Vespucci in AC2, and that was my first time, yeah, like complete first time ever doing voice work for a game or voice work. Period. I think, um, and I loved it. I had so much fun. And then I was speaking to the director after the session and I think, okay, yeah. So I, I did that first session and then I spoke to a few people about like, oh, I had like my first video game 
job. And then people were telling me like, oh, you know, they're, they're doing motion capture in Montreal now. And I'm like, what's that? And so I started learning about it. And then when I went back for my next voice gig for, for that character, I spoke to the director afterwards and I was like, do you know if they're going to be doing motion capture for this character? Um, and he was like, I think so. I'm not entirely sure. And I, and I just pitched myself hard. I was like, mm. well, I was like, <laughs> I have a lot of experience in dance and stage combat and martial arts. Uh, you know, if ever you want to put my name forward, I'd be very interested. And he was like, cool, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll put your name through. And he did. And I went in and then I did, um, all the mocap for Lucy, mm. um, and and then I got to do Christina and play a bunch of different characters, and that was kind of, you know, the rest was history. And it was with and it was with Sean, Sean <laughs> it was Beichu? with Sean Beichu, who mm. who I have gone on to do dozens of gigs with. Like he's the single actor that I've worked with the most. He's in uh, everything. Yeah, it's hilarious. So I, we at one point we coined the term that he's my. Um, I, I'm his Mogi, like his mocap girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he's like my Mobo nice. or something, you know what I mean? Because we're just like always working together. Um, but I was such a keener. We had we had we got to do a fight scene when I was playing Lucy, and I had to kick him in the stomach. And I was so like excited to get to like show off my fight skills uh -oh. that when we were Sean and I worked out the choreography at the time. We did not have a set of coordinator. Things have changed since then. Oh, yeah. No, um, that was the Wild West of motion capture yeah, days. Yeah. yeah. But Sean is, you know, he's like a, you know, he's like a fight director. Like he does know what he's doing. And so we worked on it and I knew I knew to pull my kick. You know, you obviously you don't go full force. But I was so excited when we oh, showed no. the director that I went full force and <laughs> winded the guy. Oh, man. And at first I thought he was just acting really well, but he like crumpled forward. And I was like, and you're like, no. uh oh. So unprofessional! I just winded my co-star. No, you winded yeah. your you 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 winded your motion capture boyfriend is what you did. Yeah. That's even worse. Exactly. Totally not cool. The first time we worked together. <laughs> Amazing. Are you still yeah. doing a little bit of uh, voice acting as well? Yeah, I do. I do quite a bit of voice acting. Yeah. Outside of games. Also, um, oh. yeah, I do. I do predominantly games. I recently started dubbing too. Mm. which I've discovered is really fun. Mm. Um, I thought I hated it the first time I tried because it's very technical. And the first time I tried, I, I sucked. I really didn't mm. know what I was doing and I was off. And then um, years later, a friend of mine was directing a project and I like to smash my limited beliefs. I think I mentioned that earlier. So, you know, he asked me if I wanted to, you know, audition for this dubbing project. And I was like, I suck at dubbing, but I suck, but if you want to give me a chance to audition and you keep in mind that I might suck, I'd be willing to audition. And he was like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and so I auditioned for it. And he was like, you just need a little bit more practice. So he gave me a small role and I did that. And then, you know, I gained experience and now I can do it much better and I'm much more confident. Mm. And it's actually really fun, but I just needed, I just needed some practice. It's yeah. amazing. There's some people out there that like that's their thing. That's all they do. Yeah. It's like they're just voice actors. They're so good at it because they've just it's a craft in it itself, right? And it I, is. I, it's like, it, it, people go, go can ahead, sorry. completely change their voices. Like I'm not um, one of those actors that do animation and who that can just like change their voices mm -hmm. and all. Like I have I have a range that I can work within. Yeah. Um, I I like doing games because it's usually more in terms of like it's, we're looking for realism usually and. Yeah. I, yeah. It's not as cartoony. Um, and that's definitely my strength. 
Yeah. Uh, but I'm so amazed when I hear my colleagues that can do incredible animation voices. Oh, yeah. Like it's just, it's really impressive. It's, yeah, it's impressive because there is many shows that have 20 characters and five voice actors. That's right. And that's it. Yeah. And that's right. each one of them are doing multiple voices and sometimes yeah. from a child to an adult to an old person. And, and each time, like, there's no way I, I could say that mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. the same. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. Have you watched Big Mouth? I have not. Okay. Pretty. It's pretty <laughs> awesome in terms of the voice work. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I know of it. I my I think my brother watches it. He keeps trying to get me to watch it. Apparently, it's pretty funny. It is. It yeah. really I, is. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that I don't know if it's, you've ever been exposed to. But like, I mean, the the industry is like, has gone through quite a quite a number of revolutions. But you know, a lot of the stuff you were saying back, in, you know, from the early days of the mocap. This is this predates performance capture. So you were just capturing your body and then probably needing to do some sort of voice work before or after that, I would imagine, or oh, back yeah. in the day. So yeah. we would do voice work first and then yep. we would do like sync to playback yep. type thing where they would play the audio and we'd act it out That's and right. we'd be like, Oh, That's I right. need more time here. So the, the sound right. engineer would be like adding beeps and spaces. Yep. So we would That's yeah, right. that's how we yeah. used to do it. It's pretty old school, and, it, and what's yeah. interesting is is try one of the biggest sort of um, barriers to convince some pe some some people I like to call dinosaurs um, to move into the 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 way the, the more preferred way of doing things now, which is a full performance capture. If you're going to do something cinematic, you want something that's going to be kind of a dramatic moment. The best way, of course, is to catch capture all three of those things at the same time, like the body, the audio. Um, like the, the voice performance and the facial performance all at once in one fused thing and then, and then be able to recreate that um, later in the game. But one of the biggest barriers is um, audio directors specifically um, often had issue with this because they're like, well, but I'm, I'm used to working with with performers that, are, that that do audio work, right? And and you you we, we don't want to we don't want to just bring an actor or an actress in that, but they don't, but we can't get what we need out of them during an audio recording session. And at first, I didn't really understand that. At first, I'm just like, what? Like, why would you? Why? It's not even a what? What? That's not an argument. Obviously, a performer has a good voice. I mean, that's otherwise they wouldn't be able to do film and television. Like, obviously, they can do this. But I think what they were trying to say, and I understand this now, having been in a bunch of um, voice recordings, is that there were about um uh, the 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 performer coming back and doing all of the stuff all the difficult like the effort sounds yeah. and like a, a typical voice record like you know because you've been in a lot of these but a lot of people that don't do that kind of work don't know and it's very difficult and inefficient when they don't understand the mechanisms and it's they they, they get driven crazy because they're saying the same line over and over and over again um so you're 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 interestingly suited for uh for like you're you're the perfect example you're like the the textbook case that i can point at and be like well but there's ambers out there who literally have experience with physical performance, but also do audio, um, um, you know, voice acting as well. You kind of check all the boxes, basically, because it's difficult to bring someone in who has not done that before. There's a lot of. Yeah, I, I could I could see how that could be challenging. Um, it really helps when you have a director who can um, give you an example when mm. you're starting out. Like if you haven't right. ever done Barks and Onos before. <laughs> Yeah. And they're like, okay, we need three seconds. Like you get, we need, you know, three seconds of you getting shot, mm -hmm. um, a little bit of pain, and then like your breath, an exhale of breath, like a right. death sound. You know what I right. mean? And then you're like, what? And then they can do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay. And then they'll be like, give me three variations of that. Sometimes it's easier when you hear it or like, a, right. you know, a jumping and landing sound. Sometimes you're like, yeah. you're visualizing it and you're like, what? But then they do it and you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. 
So I do think that that helps um, or playing a sample of what someone for, else did. For the benefit of people in chat who might not know what barks and onos are, can you be a bit more specific? Yeah, so the barks and onos are all the sounds of like the hits and the jumping and the breathing. So like, <laughs> and they're like, um, <gasps> you know, or just, yeah. just like all the different breathing, you know, That's getting, right. getting like <laughs> stabbed and like the <laughs> sounds. <laughs> You know, like good. getting electrocuted. It's like you've done this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like all the grunts, but you need to have it needs to be specific enough that it can match the kill. Yeah, that's right. But there yeah. needs to be varieties, you're not hearing the same thing all the time. But that's it can't right. be so specific that it stands out in an annoying way that you're right. playing and then you're like, Oh, it's that person that always dies with a really shrill death. Yeah, yeah. It's like and there's often variation too. To yes. break it up so it doesn't you don't hear the same thing it's just it's just right. for people to fully understand this is basically the sounds that are typically used in the gameplay itself um so like when you're just like you're the main character and you're running and you're like vaulting over an object there's an effort sound like a okay what's the effort sound what does that sound like ember going like over a little like, like, uh... <laughs> like that. that's awesome <laughs> or like a push you know we should, like, we it... should make one of those little sound effect boxes where it's just you making effort sounds and we could yeah. just sort of People would think you're, someone's playing a video game in the background. <laughs> but I you like to, to like start doing it. I usually like I'm there like hitting physicalize myself. It a bit. Yeah, physically, yeah. I get very. I must get uh, really stupid in the booth, but I, I find I have to embody yeah, it without sure. making too much noise because yeah. that ruins the take. But yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, does it happen sometimes alone in the booth and <laughs> just self? You know, a a, a moment of. Um, you know, self-reflection and just laughing at, uh, at what you're doing and remembering this little six-year-old girl that was, oh yeah, I'm going yeah. to act one day and then if you're, only you you're in the boot <laughs> making yes. all of those grunts. <laughs> exactly. I know. Sometimes it's literally like, oh, wait, I'm getting paid for this. I'm yeah. pinching myself. I'm just really wondering, like, this is real. Yeah. Dreaming. Yeah. That is pretty funny. Pretty I think. Sure. There, there's other moment that you're like, so we've been doing game for how many years? Why do we still need to record those mm. new grunt? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Surely yeah, you're like, there's... didn't I do that like yeah. 20 times already? Well, I mean, I'm sure you probably have been in a situation where you've worked on a similar project and you're like, I literally like two months ago did all of these. Like, did you guys just not have access to that library of sounds? I mean, it's amazing. We're, we're renowned for this video oh, game production. Gosh. We, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, totally. It's, it's better every time, right? Ember, it gets better every single time. Yeah, I know. I, I get it. I get it. It's the same for motion capture. Like we often reshoot things over and over again. And people are always like, are we, we sure we don't have this somewhere? Like, I'm sure we have a run cycle somewhere. Yeah, um, but there's but, definitely yeah. stuff. I know that a lot of stuff that I, cause I, I've also done a lot of crowd life things, you know, and I know that that stuff has been recycled. Mm from one game to another for sure yeah. i'm sure I'm it sure does happen like it does happen no, no that doesn't happen no <laughs> i mean it's impossible if we don't re-record it then it's not authentic so right. yeah we need to uh always my, if my producers chair is call, being very squeaky Sorry. We... <laughs> oh, i thought those were just sound effects you were making <laughs> nope, uh we good. have we have 15 minutes left so if anyone in chat has a question now is the time to uh, uh, again amber time is flying by each time we're, we're we're doing those so that that that's um it's pretty great um maybe one more question that that i have because we rapidly mentioned having animators um uh on set um 
and we, we had Daryl uh, on the stream uh, not uh, long ago that we're done to discuss about you know actors and directing askers and, and actors mm -hmm. and, and all that um what would you say on a for, for yourself and and one of the thing when we start especially in video game i think more and more we're getting our shit together and we, we know how to do it but i would say a few years ago uh it felt like we were it was a bunch of amateur that were trying to direct professional actors and we had no idea of what we were we were doing um for you honestly how do you like to be directed in uh, in general i know it's a pretty vague uh question but any indication of what is very useful for you just annoying best practice anyone that would eventually have to direct actors uh whether for let's say for for video game in, in this case any advice for them of how to properly direct actors mm. well one thing is i'll say off the get-go is that every actor is different and there's no one size fits all or one approach that works for everyone it's like you know every animator wants their feedback perhaps given differently right there's no one right way of doing it mm. um and i think that cute like cluing into who sorry cluing into who you're working with and how like just being attentive to them can really help um because you you actually might communicate to one actor differently than you will with another one because of that for example some actors when they start a scene they get into a zone and if you're talking to them during the take it might take them out of it they could they could you know their focus might get shot um whereas someone else totally fine walk them through it beat by beat and they're completely good with it and so understanding that and and and, and just kind of having those conversations with with uh, the actors about how they prefer can really help um for me i find understanding where the character is coming from like getting some context for a scene really helps to just be like hey what mindset am i in what has happened where am i coming from because we also we don't always know like so we're shooting things out of sequence and um there's been moments when i've been told information later on where i wish i had had that information for a previous scene because it would have affected how i would how i would play it right so i mean i i know to ask the right questions now but just being told like okay this is where you're coming from this is the state that you're in and then understanding like what story beats are really important to hit because you know you're we are we're telling a story and what needs to come through to the player in this moment um what the priorities are, understanding that can really help. Um, the other thing that I find that works sometimes well, especially for complex scenes where there's a lot going on, like I, I teach um, video game acting to actors and we intentionally in our workshops choose very complicated scenes. And what I, I find the best approach is to layer things on. So we're not giving them all the information at once. So first I'm like, okay, this is your environment. This is the layout. This is the rough blocking. Uh, and also, you know, of course, like this is your relationship. This is some backstory on the characters. And then we work through that. And then I'll be like, okay, now like this is a moment that we need to hit. Like this is a beat. Like I'll get, I'll start to layer into like a little bit more of the details of the moments of the scene. Like this is a moment of conflict. This is a moment of humor, a moment of connection, maybe a moment of flirtation, whatever. We get a little bit more detailed. And then I'll get into the more specifics of the environment. Like here, you need to react because your eyeline is here. You're looking at this thing or you're looking at that. But if I give them everything at once, they get so overwhelmed and they're like, their eyes kind of glaze over. And I'm like, oh, I know that look. That's been me. Mm. <laughs> That's been me before. <laughs> so I do find 
understanding that there's only so much information your brain can take at once. Mm. So just giving the chance to layer, it really helps. The other thing that really helps is having a rehearsal in advance, mm -hmm. like for cinematics, especially. Like a table um, read I mean, at the very least, right? Yeah. But a rehearsal too, to work on blocking because mm -hmm. sometimes with mocap, there's a lot of muscle memory and a lot of physical memory that if you have a chance to do it mm -hmm. before, then when, when you're shooting it on the day, those things kind of have already been set into your muscle memory and then you can focus on other things. So mm -hmm. I've found that projects that have rehearsal days benefit quite a bit. We end up saving a lot of time too, because it's more expensive. Your shoot day is more expensive than your rehearsal day. Mm. Right. So yeah. if you take the time to rehearse, totally. your shoot will be a lot smoother and faster. Yeah. So just to, for everyone in the audience that might not be familiar with what the blocking is, it's not an animation blocking. It's actually the choreography of the sequence. So enter here, go to the table there, take mm. this thing, go talk to you. So it's, and I, I was very surprised working with actors. I, I in, initially, I assumed that it was more the performance that would be difficult mm. to get out of actors, but I found that usually was more the, the blocking, the complicated mm. blocking. Mm. If it's very specific, you need to be here and then this and this yeah. and this and this. This is usually the scene that would last for hours because they would get the performance part. Uh, but remembering that plus this and this and this and this, especially if it was important, this is when I was like, oh God, okay, let's simplify. <laughs> this and this is critical. Just yeah. improvise the rest and <laughs> it'll, it'll be fine. No, for sure. And it's challenging. And the other thing that I, I like to do is create the world as much as possible. So instead of having to visualize and imagine this eyeline, let me give you something to look at. Like I'm going to physically give you something to look at. I'm going to physically give you a barrier here. I'm going to cue you over here. I'm going to, you know, I'll say the things like as much as I said, you know, some actors, it takes them out of it when you're calling cues, at a certain point you have to, right? If there's like gunshots or if there's like if they're playing in the, they're in a vehicle and they hit a bump and you have to have both actors react at the same time to the same bump, well, I'll give them like a, a visual cue, like a conductor. Um, I try to simplify so that they can just focus on their acting and be as present as possible. So mm -hmm. I'm like, whatever I can do to create the world for you, I will do. Awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's the interesting thing too, is, is, you know, I, you know, you had mentioned earlier that the, one of the reasons why you like the performance capture stuff is that it's liberating because you don't have to necessarily worry about the coverage. Um, but when you're blocking a complicated scene, the, the, the cameras do need to be considered. So it can be very technical, like because you need because, you know, you're gonna have to put camera somewhere, right? Eventually, you just don't have to do it yeah. then at that moment. True. The camera's not in the way. But like the reason why a lot of these things are difficult is because and also because it depends on the size of the motion capture volume. I'm sure you've been yeah. in motion capture volumes where things have to be broken up and blocked separately in, in almost modularly because you can't get the whole scene in one big thing because it just there's not enough space or there's a limitation on the number of sort of face cams that could be operating at any given time. So, the, you know, it's, it's, there's, there is a simplicity to, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about weather and lighting and things like this uh, and makeup, like you said, but you do need to still like, it's, there's a technical layer that needs to be, does that, does it ever kind of yeah. get kind of annoying for you as a, as a, as an actress? Well, I find it helpful to know where the game ca camera is going to be mm -hmm. if you know. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think having a rough idea really helps because then, you have to fix less things later, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, even though you can put the camera wherever you want, like if I know that the camera is going to be playing out here, I might cheat my performance just a little bit. So you see yeah. my face better. Or when I lift my lantern, I'm not going to hold it in front of my face if I know the game camera is going to be there, right? I'm going to hold it a little bit lower or a little bit higher. And like those details that 
can make the performance more polished and simplify the animator's job, I think. Right. Um, so I like knowing that. I think that technically one of the hardest things to work with is can be the he- head cam. Yeah. And it depends sure. on the head cam. Like the ones at Eidos were actually very, very comfortable and, and, yeah. and didn't inhibit your m- movement too much. But I've worn some where they come out so far in front of my face yeah. that if I have to like hug an actor or have yeah. any physical contact will like hit or if I'm doing any weapon handling, if I'm holding a rifle, like my rifle will keep hitting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I find that the clunkiness of the head mm. cam can yeah. can be frustrating. <laughs> he was like, ah, I hit it again. Ah, I hit it yeah, again. Yeah, totally. It. It's like kind of a yeah. constant reminder that it's, it brings you out of that headspace probably when that happens. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Or you have to cheat things. You know, we're like drinking and we're like pouring the cup down our shirt, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, yeah. Like all those weird things that we have to do. I think, yeah, I think the head cam is, is the is the hardest technical yeah. aspect to work with. Yeah. They continue to get better and more lightweight. It'll be curious to see what's, what's yeah. going to be in, in about 10 years from now. I can only imagine what's going to, what it's going to be like. Yeah. Because I, I've seen those first ones, they were big and heavy and like they they were uncomfortable because of those things and very obvious. And now there's like some, some of these are just like little little teeny cameras. You can barely yeah. even notice them. Yeah. Um, we have two questions from chat. Uh, let's see if we can tackle those before we are completely out of time. We have like six minutes left. So we have this question here from from Lovely Farts. What a, nice. what a, what a, what a beautiful handle that is. Nice job. Surprised that wasn't already taken. What are you, what are you, sorry, what are your favorite types of roles to play? I guess regardless of television, film and video games, like I guess the characters themselves, do you have a favorite? I think, I think definitely uh, physical roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to do some fighting or to have, you know, I'm challenged to learn a new skill. I love that. I also, I really like roles that have a good arc, like where my mm-hmm. character really goes on a journey. Mm-hmm. And I get to dive into that and mm-hmm. create the arc and, and discover what each phase of it looks like. That's that's the kind of role that you know I can really sink my teeth into. Juicy. Um, Juicy. You do you have you ever had a chance to play a villain? Um, yes. Oh yeah, how was that? It's very fun. <laughs> maybe maybe honestly, more than it should have been. Maybe like maybe the, worries the, you. The bad characters are honestly more fun to play. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. I can only yeah. imagine. Yeah. Everyone bad. loves a good villain. They, yeah. they, honestly, like you can literally yeah. a villain makes or breaks just about any story. Like the, the, the right kind of villain, captivating, love to hate, yes. difficult to play. I'm sure. Yeah, but um, it's so fun. I can I can imagine because you like it's especially because it's like, it really activates the probably the role player in you and be like you know really indulge in something that you probably don't normally get to be. I guess it's probably well, it's, like, I mean, part of the I fun. think, you know, I think that we go, we navigate the world. Most of us navigate the world wanting to be likable. We want people to like us yeah. and yeah. you know, you don't want to ruffle too many feathers as much as you can. At least I, I try to avoid it. But like when you get to play the bad guy, like you just, yeah. you get to say all the shit that's inappropriate. That's right. You don't have to worry about offending that's right. anyone. That's right. It's very cathartic. I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. It's just like you get to channel all that sort of dormant uh, rage and frustration yeah. into this character. Totally. It's probably therapeutic, yeah. Oh, very um, much so. Okay, so I got one last question here. Um, and um, I'm curious how you could answer this question because this, this, this is not specific to necessarily your trade, but probably just maybe just you as a human being and your experience in, in this creative space. What is your advice in general when you see people doing less work and getting more credit for it? 
It's a good one. It's juicy. Well, we get a lot of those in this chat. You know, I'd say that it's very easy to compare. Hmm. You know, we compare our success. Um, we see some, there's always someone more successful than us. There's always someone who's making more money or doing better in their job or who's, you know, more fit or more funny, whatever. It's very, very easy to compare. Um, and so I try to just focus on my own personal development and my personal growth and just like co compete against myself in a sense, mm. because it's the only healthy path. Otherwise you're always looking outward and mm. there's always, 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 doesn't matter how successful you are. There's always going to be someone who's more mm. successful than you or better than you or whatever. <laughs> so, um, that really helped me be happier and more fulfilled to just be like, I want to challenge myself to be better at this. I want to do this better. And every time, mm. like every workday, I always journal about the things that I did well and the things that I want to work on. Um, and I, it just keeps me focused on the right things because it can be very frustrating when you, if you, if you see someone else who works half as hard as you, but is yeah. more successful, that can be, it can just feel very hopeless and very frustrating. And I For found sure. that to be a dead end. So put that aside. And I like, you know, looking to people that inspire me, what, what is it about them that inspires me? What is it that, what is, where do they focus their energy? Because I think sometimes the things that we, sometimes the most frustrating things that we do don't pay off the, the most. And sometimes the things that come easily and are a little bit more effortless have like bear the most fruit. And I'm not saying I don't believe in hard work. I do. I really, really believe in hard work. But I, I know that in my path, there's been times when I tried to force something. Like I was really mm. pushing, forcing, forcing, forcing something right. to work. And it wasn't working. And, you know, when you try and you try and try and try and try and try and sometimes you reach a point where you're like, hey, maybe, maybe this energy could go here. Mm. And then yeah. you put that energy here. And, oh, all of a sudden things are just moving and falling into place and flowing. And it's kind mm. of effortless. And so... I do look for that. I, I, I struggle is important and struggle is how we grow. Mm. But I think it's important to evaluate if you're, if you're putting energy into something and you're never getting the reaping the rewards that you want. And it feels it's like so much effort for very little reward. Mm. Maybe it's time to reevaluate where the focus is. I guess it comes down to what, what 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 credit is too, right? When you say credit or reward, what is it, mm. right? I mean, it comes it comes in many forms. I think it fits in nicely with the narrative you just laid down. It's like like self your own growth is 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 credit, right? It doesn't necessarily need, always need to be monetary. It doesn't always need to be like physical praise. But yeah. like, there's many. It comes in many forms. I guess you have to manage your expectations probably a little bit yeah. too. And even yeah. work itself, the the same thing is there are some that have more output with less work. So what mm. are you judging exactly and, that's right you know yes you have your own in interpretation of, of what that is so that, that's why i really like amber your advice of no matter you might be right you might be yeah. wrong but yeah. no matter if you're right or wrong just focus on yeah. what you have to do and what yeah. you need to accomplish and how much you want to, to grow yeah 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 i guess i mean then one last little thought on this would be and it's kind of a, a 
big topic to drop at this point. We touched on it earlier, but I guess there is there is a line to be drawn to at some point where like it's is you know being being look making sure that you're looking internally obviously is important, but it's but also you know you you work in an industry that is known for its inequities between male and women, uh, male yeah. and females, right? And so I think there's there's a there needs to be I guess maybe some balancing um, that goes on there. There's a lot of people that have been outspoken about this, and I think the only way you're going to change something like this is if people are going to be um, kind of outraged together as opposed to just, you know, all of a sudden being on just, you know, individuals. And yeah. I think there has been some progress by the sounds of it, but it does seem still pretty lopsided. So I guess like that's, that's tricky too, right? Cause it's part of that conversation, this idea of people getting less credit when you're doing equal jobs, like what's going on. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to not take that personally when it's very systemic, you know? Absolutely. No, it's true. And I do like, I do strongly believe in advocating for yourself and advocating for others. Yeah. You know, um, if you are in a position where like, the, you know, the few times that I've been in a role where I was producer, mm. um, I would look at how people got paid. And I, you know, I was on a project recently where I thought one of the crew who was a female was undervaluing her work and mm. we insisted on paying her more. We're like, no, you're yeah. worth more. We're yeah. paying you more. Yeah. Um, Whereas like her male counterpart had no problem asking for like, you know, a very well compensated rate and, you know, his work was phenomenal. So he, he deserved it, but so did she. And so it was, I was just like, that was the position where I was able to advocate for someone else mm. and their own skill set. Um, but sometimes you have to do that for yourself and it, and it's, it can be very uncomfortable. That's but I do it. think it's important. Exactly. I, I really do think it's, I it think is. it's in with pay equity, um, People don't often offer, like, it's rare that you're going to be offered to be paid more. You have to ask for it. And I think mm. it's always uncomfortable, but it is important to to advocate for yourself. And, and yep. um, whether it be for compensation or just to be treated fairly, to be treated respectfully. That's right. Um, and when other people see you do it, it also, you're, you're, you're modeling that behavior. And other people are like, oh, maybe I should also mm. stand up for myself and advocate yep. for, for That's myself. Right. So it's tricky. So what we're dealing with here is a balance, right? You can't obsess mm -hmm. over it because to the point that it literally ruins your happiness when you're doing a job, but you also kind of keep your eye on the prize and make sure that things are moving um, in the right direction. Otherwise, yes. nothing's ever going to change, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And talking about it, like we we're so scared to talk about things, you know, and mm -hmm. like I had a position where I was offered, you know, a leading role in a game and I was really not sure about how much to ask for. And I called mm. a bunch of my colleagues, including mm -hmm. Elias Tufexis. <laughs> and I was like, talk to me about your rates. And mm -hmm. they, you know, they were all so generous. And I, and I was really impressed with the fact that they were like, oh yeah, I'll tell you how much I asked. And, da, 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 yeah. da. and they yeah. explained their reasoning and it gave me the confidence to be like, you know what? I, given my body yeah. of work, I should also be asking. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's important to have those conversations and, um, yeah, to know that to know that it always feels a little bit icky. Yeah, it's, it's, like it's gonna feel weird. But, but it's got, go unfortunately, for it. if people just keep saying nothing, then nothing will ever change. Unfortunately, right? Exactly, with exactly. No friction, and also, no... yeah, and and I think that the the last thing that I'll say on that subject is that you can advocate for a cause, whether it be for you know equal pay or you know gender mm -hmm. parity or um, you know. Maybe it's for equality in terms of like, you know, racial equality and just, you know, maybe you're fighting for indigenous rights, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to walk around the world mm -hmm. with that, mm -hmm. that, 
all of the carrying all of the suffering with you because yeah. there's so yeah. much pain and so much history around all of mm -hmm. these topics mm -hmm. and um it can be really heavy to feel like you have to carry all of that on you i don't know if that makes right. sense but I, no I it makes perfect sense because it can crush you right if you it if really you, can. once you get once you go down that road a lot of people you know don't it's inconvenient to go down there and really do the homework and yeah. because people deep down know there's in, in, inequities they know that there's injustice and and um you know i think a lot of people tend to avoid it because it's uncomfortable and that's part that's of the it. problem so it's like you have to find a way if you want to be like part of the change you have to find a way of compartmentalizing and like keep like playing the long game but not letting the state ruin the short game basically like you got to find a way because you don't want to it to all be all consuming and it literally makes you miserable in life because then now what that's does that is that helping sure. anybody definitely not exactly and i think that um we we everyone perceives their world through a lens right we yeah. all walk around with our own lenses and those mm -hmm. lenses are colored by our past and our by our ancestry and by our biases um cultural biases all kinds of things cultural norms yeah. but if you're overly focused on a certain inequity, you might see it everywhere or you might even mm. see it where it's not yeah. and be yeah. triggered a lot because that mm. is really what's in the forefront yep. of your field. Yeah. But if you're aware of it, but not fixated on it, mm. it might give you a more balanced perspective where when you see it, you're like, ah, I yeah. see that. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to address that, but you're not constantly looking right. for it. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just exhausting. And you really might think it's somewhere when it's not. And I just yeah. think that it overtake. Sounds like a conversation in itself. I know. <laughs> <laughs> David knows I'm an expert at doing this at the end of these conversations. I'm very good at that, doing that. Unfortunately. Yeah, you're like, let me just drop a bomb. Yeah, let's just drop <laughs> something that we could probably talk for a whole day on and we'll do it within five minutes left of the talk. So um, I, I wanted to thank you for hanging out with us today, Amber. It was definitely a pleasure. You're very, very laid back and easy to talk to. I think this could have definitely gone on for hours. So thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Okay, yeah, all right, David. Ever. That was great to catch up again. Likewise. Exactly. exactly. I was. I'm glad that uh, this was, at the very least, facilitating a good catch up between you and David. So. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. See both of you around. I'm sure. Take care. Have a good yeah, day. Take Cheers. Care. Bye. Um, another conversation gone like this in the wind. Uh, it is always fun to just hang out with uh, all these amazing characters who show up on our show, and it's again, I. I I can't help but to be reminiscent here and think that, you know, it, it feels weird that we were, there was a day where we weren't doing this on a regular basis. Um, it's, uh, but yet here it is as a normal, a normal facet of David and I's life where every week we get to talk to somebody amazing and they have very different perspectives on things. And I like how we mix it up a little bit and have a little bit of, you know, go, you know, true treading a little bit away from the, the the regular normal path of just bringing animators on it's always nice to have people that that are peripheral to an animator's sort of typical job and in, in video games you know working with with performers is become very very regular it's like this in film too i guess but i feel like the interaction is less you know it's very very seldom are the animators invited to the voice recording session uh when you know when the voices are being done um for a film uh they often it's all recorded and the animators are usually looking at that stuff but i find one really cool thing about video games is is that it seems like the hierarchy is a little flatter and it's not it's not unconventional to have um really great interactions between animators and performers and i think amber was even talking about having sometimes you know animators on the floor and they're, they're kind of shooting the shit a little bit about 
you know, the, 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 the choices and Elias was on a little while ago and he was talking about the same thing where he was like, after the, sh- after a, a, sh- a shot, he would, he went, he's like, Hey, just so you know, I did this thing that I think really works really well. It'd be nice if just kind of earmark that when you're looking at the data. And he felt like it was at the time he said he felt like, uh, almost like he was, um, I don't know what word he used, but he, it felt weird to him that he was doing that. Um, and, uh, but I'm glad he did. Cause I think that that's, that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of cooperate co- cooperation that should go on. Um, when it comes to digital performances, because it's not like we're going to get everything and absolutely everything we need from a shoot. Um, you know, it's 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 nice to know the motivations behind some of those choices that were made by the actor in real time, especially if they ended up working out really well. I think that all animators and actors are going to continue to ha- learn a lot from one another. So I think we should have more of these kind of conversations. Thanks for being here in chat. And thanks again to Amber and David. And um, we'll see you around. We'll see you around tomorrow, actually. Tomorrow, we believe we have a, um, I think I'm doing another demo tomorrow night. And um, so hopefully you can, you know, swing by and check that out. I'm still doing that anatomy of an action demo that I've been doing for the last number of weeks. And I think the week after that, I think there's going to be doing one of those, we're going to be doing one of the free community reviews. So please swing by and hang out for that as well. Until next time, stay animated. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.